they they made a bu- they made a bunch of magic school bus games but they were mostly in the edutainment genre yeah. and I, I i remember i played one of them about geology and one of them about outer space as a kid it definitely did do you feel like they did a good job of teaching the material I mean, I, I remember uh, how different planets have different gravity because there was a platforming. <laughs> there, there, they gave you platforming stages with each of the kids on a different oh, that's planet. Funny. Oh, neat! It basically taught me planet mass relation to gravity, relation to people's activity on the planets in a way that I can at least remember. Because the Ralphie Jupiter stage, where you could barely jump at all, was fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> It's not fair that Arnold can jump to the top of the screen on the moon, but Ralphie can't jump a foot in front of his face on Jupiter. I mean, it's fitting that they did that to Ralphie, though. <laughs> he always got the short end of the stick. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Rhythm Encounter, RPG fans' bi-weekly podcast all about music. I'm Mike Solosi, and this is not the mic you're used to hearing, but uh, I'm the mic on the mic for this episode. It's 2023, and we're ready to get moving. Um, uh, this episode is all about transportation themes, and maybe... Uh, before I go into an explanation on the episode itself, let's introduce the rest of the panel, starting with Audra Bowling. Hello, hello. Mario Garcia. Hello. And Greg Delmage. Hi, folks. Greg, Mario, Audra. Uh, travel music is sort of a, I don't know if you want to call it a genre or an archetype or something, but that's something that we hear a lot in RPGs. There's a, a, a very often um, players and parties are traveling between destinations, and there is a, there's a certain... There's certain associations that we make with those, uh, with, with travel, uh, like seeing new lands, a feeling of forward momentum, a feeling of sailing or soaring or of freedom. Like, like that's those are the kinds of things that we might associate with a transportation theme. And airships. Yeah, I'll, 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 sure. A lot of them have airships. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes there's tanks. Sometimes you are riding. Uh, you're in, you're engaging in some animal husbandry of a fantasy variety. Mm. There's a lot of kinds of means of conveyance in rpgs and tonight we're going to talk about uh eight different ones there are sailing ships and airships and ships across post-apocalyptic ash and you ride horses and you ride dragons and you ride neckaroos yeah (laughs) so uh i I think we're gonna start with um riding some animals across the plains for our first two tracks this episode uh audra uh, tell us the first um uh transport theme you're bringing for episode 102 my theme is Neckaroo Races from Edge of Eternity. Okay, and the second person on this block... Oh, it's me. Whoops. I, I, I planned this in advance. I shouldn't be surprised. Um, I am bringing for this part Land of Blue Skies from The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, the first. So, uh, listeners, please enjoy Neckaroo Races and Land of Blue Skies. Thank you. 
So that was Nekaru Races by Cedric Menendez from Edge of Eternity OST Volume 2 and Land of Blue Skies by Takehiro Unisuga from Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, Audra, let's talk about Nekaru Races a little bit. Um, I have not played Edge of Eternity, so I don't know the context of this track other than a general assumption that it's when you're riding these kangaroo cats across <laughs> across the map of Edge of Eternity. Is, is that a, a fair starting point? That's a pretty fair starting point. Tell us a little bit about Nekaroos and Edge of Eternity, and and uh, and, and and what and what the, where the song plays before we talk about it itself. Um, well, basically, Nekaroo are pretty much well, they're giant kangaroo cats. That's a pretty accurate description of them. <laughs> they're the main form of transportation in Edge of Eternity, so you see them around the cities a lot, and you eventually get to ride one. And you get to have it call, you can call it and it'll come to you and you can then ride it across the pretty much open world of Edge of Eternity. Kind of depends on the area, but the expanses are pretty big for it. So the Nekaru helps a lot because you can go much quicker there. So, uh, I, I mean, first of all, so I assume that you're doing, uh, you, you're on the Nekaru a fair amount in this game. Is the act of riding the Nekaru as jaunty and peppy as this song indicates. Yes, it's actually pretty fun. I found Excellent. it to be quite, quite. It's. I mean, they're pretty much their version of chocobos. I'd say. Sure. Maybe if if uh, I don't I don't know if Edge of Eternity is has uh, grand plans of many sequels, but it, this is them trying to give themselves a signature animal to <laughs> to ride yeah. across the open world. Uh, but but I, I thought the song was really cute. The uh, it, it, uh, like I said, jaunty. It, it has sort of a bouncy feeling to it. Like does, like I'm I, I'm a mad. Yeah. I haven't played this game, and I only watched a, a couple short videos on it to uh, to familiarize myself with it um, before recording this episode. But like, do the Nekaroos sort of like bounce along as you ride them? Because it, it they kind it, of do. They're very. It's a little like a slopey bounce when they, when you're running across <laughs> the plane. So, and I mean, it's kind of funny when they, like, they back up to dig holes and everything at certain points. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, they're very cute animals. Yeah, I remember when Caitlin did the preview, like, she was pretty stoked on these creatures and uh, how adorable they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like, the, like Mike nailed it that that's very plucky and bright. Because I was going to ask you, because uh, I had no context for this, with, when it was called Nekaroo Races, was is it was it like um, a mini game, racing game? And this was the theme for Because it's like, this is very laid back for racing. Or is it Nekaroo Races as in Nekaroo Races across the plains? You know? There's actually, you can race them a bit. There's a ranch that you can race them, but you do. This is usually the theme that plays when you're running, racing, riding them from place to place. So, gotcha. Yeah, it's just it's a very cheerful and cute song, and I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, no, this makes me want a Nekaru. This sounds really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that feeling many times when I'm playing a game, and there's a there's like a fun animal that you that is attached to the game somehow, somehow, and it's like. It's like, man, I want a chocobo. Yeah. <laughs> I want a flammy. Like, they're all, yeah, yeah, very endearing, cute animals, by and large, that you get to uh, gallivant around. Even the actual kangaroo you do ride in and, um, uh, help me out. My brain is baby brain. Do you mean uh, Legend of Zelda, the Oracle games? Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Ricky the kangaroo is Ricky one of the, the is one of the animal friends in that game. Is this, that's <laughs> what I thought you might have meant. And you punch things like I'll even take him. Um, but yeah, like that pluck really comes out also when like that banjo kicks in, which I can't quite tell if it's synthetic or real. I don't think this was uh, real recorded uh, instruments, but I love the banjo. Like it really gives it that kind of like folksy, um, like animal husbandry connection to these creatures kind of thing yeah i i like how the main melody i i think it's a flute and a clarinet uh they they they, they sort of duet a little bit in uh, a way in a tone that i, I would call it quirky it, it's not like a, a very easy melody to latch onto, like a you know like a rock song or a Mega Man stage or something but they really are creating just a a, a feeling of of, of of bounciness and of a, and of a pleasant ride. I, I I this does not feel like a um I don't know. A, a, this does not feel like a song of danger. I I don't I I, no. I don't think that I'm being chased. Riding into battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. On top of your giant cat. Yeah. Yeah, because those two instruments definitely like play with each other. It feels like whoever uh, like cause I think if those were real instrument uh, uh, and real artists playing, like I really hope they were playing off each other because it feels very organic and um, cohesive the way they kind of work together. It's it's quite lovely. I that you pointed that out that they kind of do a little bit of a back and forth and kind of weave together and it really brings that playfulness to life of these creatures mm-hmm. yeah this is a playful track i don't think that the neckaroos are coming strapped with like armor and machine guns <laughs> they're coming i'm arresting <laughs> at least in their not in this game the like first battle game. cat yeah but well uh i mean if uh edge of eternity has neckaroos bounding across the plains um i went with a a, a, a similar idea, but a different kind of game. Uh, Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel is a, a, uh, an RPG that I think it started out on PC and Vita, but now it was. But then afterwards, it was ported to like twenty other places. Maybe PS3 it started out on as well. And now there's a you can get um, you can play the Cold Steel games on um, a bunch of different systems. But uh, and for the people in the audience. I know there's a lot of these. Cold Steel is uh, Sen no Kiseki number one, but Trails game number six, <laughs> and the and the ones coming out this year in North America are number five and ten, and the one that just came out in Japan last year was number twelve. <laughs> it's yep. conf- it's confusing, <laughs> but uh, um, Col- uh, Trails of Cold Steel uh, is a game that. Um, I'm going to go into the plot a little bit because, but I promise I have a reason for doing so. Uh, it's a game where it's uh, you're in this large empire called Erebonia. There is a military academy where most of the game takes place, uh, and and there's also tensions of a brewing civil war. And your class is the only class in the academy where the noble students and the commoner students are mixed instead of separated. Uh, but and 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 in a like. In the interest of having nobles and commoners understand each other more, at this academy, you go to a different field trip every month, I think. And so the, a lot of the story of Cold Steel, or Cold Steel 1 at least, is like for the first seven chapters or something. It's you and your classmates go on and visit a new part of the Empire, go on an adventure, start to uncover a conspiracy, understand your uh, your schoolmates a little better so it's like a, a school rpg and a tour the country rpg and it's uh 
and it goes a lot of interesting places. I, I, I really like the first two Trails of Cold Steel games. Field and Trip of Danger. A, 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 yeah, a little bit of a field trip of danger. And you're almost always traveling by train in these. Because, like, the, I think the it's called, I mean, Erebonia is sort of like an empire of blood and iron. It's, an, it's a militaristic country. But for one of those field trips, it's, I think it's chapter three. My, my, I might be off by a bit. Is to the um, undeveloped uh, open plains north end of Erebonia, where it's uh, where a, a, a where a, a, nomad, a nomadic tribe lives, and uh, one of your classmates is a member of that tribe. And so this goes from being a, a game set in schools and cities and uh, in a land covered with railroad railroads and technology, where you just have an entire chapter where you are. Uh, learning about the like the history of the uh of 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 like of the country and just riding around on horses for five or six hours and that's what this is so it's it's a it's like a horse riding vacation from the sort of harsh iron of the rest of the game and uh land of blue and so land of blue skies is the track that plays in the world map in the region and you're on horseback for a lot of your travels around it it, it, it basically this game like uh, uh, for this chapter, it, it goes from being like a Final Fantasy game to suddenly it's Gower Plains from Xenoblade or Hyrule Field from Breath of the Wild for like for one segment. <laughs> Interesting, but that makes a lot of sense with this song now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's has a refreshing quality to it. I think. Yeah, because I was always I was wondering about the instrumentation um, sounding so uh, like natural so to speak, uh, tropical with like a bit of the marimba and like the flutes and everything. Um, because it's a very like forlorn song I kind of find off the top. It does give a bit of hope when it like really opens up after like the first 30 seconds, but like I just find that flute has you kind of like longing for something. Um, like I, I don't know what the tone of the game, I mean you give a bit light thing of the, of the plot, but um, yeah, like are they searching for something here that they need to find to help no um the game has tonal shifts so just identifying okay. a single tone for the whole game I, I think would be a little challenging but um but the, the nord chapter feels different from the rest of the game because you're, you're going from cities to open plains so suddenly and uh, it, it is kind of a lonely song it, it yeah. uh, the uh it, it it sounds kind of like um, I, I don't know, like 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 a like a like Peruvian woodwinds or something. That, Thank you. Yeah, good call. And um, oh, but the uh, and and it, it eventually it sort of goes into a more full orchestra. There's the open guitar playing that always makes you feel like uh, uh, like like I don't know, makes makes it feel country and not city. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's like it, I I think that like there's a feeling of loneliness because this is a big empty open plain for the most part, and you are like four or five people on horsebacks um riding across it but it, it uh and, and i think maybe it's uh maybe unfairly they're trying to capture a vibe of a like an unspoiled nat- native culture um with the with the tone of with the tone of the song which is uh but it's i, I think it's successful i think it's a beautiful song that makes the nord chapter feel unique uh surrounded by the rest of this game and, and it's a good game i enjoy uh trails of cold steel uh, have, have any of you three played it? I have yet to. I have not. I have. I loved it. Oh, it's nice. in my backlog. It, it's, a, it's a lot of backlog dealing, dealing with the <laughs> yes, uh, trail series. Yes, I've heard. It's ambitious. with the trail series. Um, again, the 12th one just came out in Japan, and in, in North America, that, uh, 
they're, they're, they haven't gotten to five yet, technically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, uh, there's four Cold Steels now, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, well, there's three Skies, then there's two Crossbells, then four Cold Steels, and then there's a transmission, uh, a, uh, a sort of a transition game called Trails into Reverie, and then there's two Kuro no Kiseki games that are in Japan only right now. They're, they're probably going to get translated as Trails in the Black or Trails into Darkness or something, because you know, Kuro Koseki means... Mean, mean, means black pathway or black trail or black miracle it's a you know sounds edgy and cool yeah um trails of cold steel's japanese title is sen no kiseki and sen the, the that character refers to the sound of a blade being drawn so it, it doesn't have an easy translation in uh into english but because uh Arabonia is sort of like this harsh military nation full of swords and guns and and railroads i, I thought cold steel was a was a good choice um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a pretty good name choice since it and it makes sense with all the swords. Yeah, but uh, uh, Mario, I haven't. Um, I, I know you haven't played uh, Trails of Cold Steel, but um, uh, what were your feelings when you uh, listened to this track for the first time? Yeah, so when I heard this track, um, interestingly enough, I got like I think maybe since you're talking about it, hearing more about like, the loneliness of the song is maybe what I was getting at. But I got like Chrono Cross vibes for some reason. Hmm, um, yeah, which is very interesting. So I guess maybe like the loneliness, because I'm thinking of like Chrono Cross when you're on the boat, kind of exploring the overworld and all that, and like the other world. Uh. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know why my mind made that connection, but maybe it's talking about like the loneliness of it all, kind of might be where that connection came from. But um, yeah, no, it gave me that vibe until like, of course, later on in the song, it opens up and becomes a lot more of like an epic feel. But yeah. Most of the rest of the Cold Steel soundtrack feels like the second half of this song, where it's a, uh, it's close to a full orchestra. There's rock, there's rock guitar in it because it's a Falcom. I was gonna say, yeah. Song. yeah, that, that, that's how, that's, yeah. How, that's what, Fal- that's yeah, what Falcom do. I was like, where is it? When's it gonna happen? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be there eventually. They, they, you can't start out with a screaming guitar like in a like in East Eight all, all, these, all, all yeah. the time. But the. Uh, but but yeah, like this is a lonely song that sort of builds and then but but always feels like you're just it, it, it like it, this song feels like riding a horse across a plain, and it's because it is such a unique portion of Trails of Cold Steel, it jumped out at me as a transport theme. But uh, Mario, not long ago you mentioned the feeling of sailing a ship across the ocean in Chrono Cross. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, how about sailing a ship? across the sky in a different 2000 square game let's do it um yeah and yeah interestingly enough i also have another song about sailing a ship across an ocean later on but um, i know i accidentally like was referring to both at the same time but then i clarified so we didn't act- reveal uh your second song too early but let's go uh, mario <laughs> t- tell us about the first song you're bringing for episode 102 for sure um so i am bringing Aboard the Hildegard from Final Fantasy IX, which is the airship theme from that game. And I hope y'all enjoy it because it's a really good one. (laughs) All right, now, Greg, we're going to stay in the world of Square, uh, but going a little bit earlier and then jumping way ahead again because this is a remix. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your pick for this this block. Yeah, I took a beautiful jazz arrangement of... um, Honestly, probably, uh, well, I won't get too far into it, but uh, from Chrono Trigger, uh, it's Fight or Flight, and it's the the only uh, 
travel theme you've got as far as airships go in that game when you're flying around in the epoch. All right. So, uh, listeners, I, I hope you enjoyed that first block, but here's block number two aboard the Hildegard from Final Fantasy IX and Fight or Flight, a, uh, a, an arrangement of the uh, epoch theme from Chrono Trigger by Wiesty.
Alright, so Mario, um, those PlayStation 1 MIDI sounds are so nostalgic to me. Thank you for uh, bringing them into Rhythm Encounter. Let's talk a little bit about Aboard the Hildegard, which I presume plays when you are aboard the airship Hildegard. That is correct. Um, that would be a correct assumption. But um, yeah, it's a really nostalgic song. And yeah, I, as soon as I heard this... Um, episode theme coming up. I'm like, okay, which airship theme from Final Fantasy is it going to be? <laughs> um, so it kind of came down to like me narrowing it down. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I feel like this song really captures a lot of the um, sense of adventure and sort of that whimsical feeling that I really feel like um, traveling on an airship would have. So yeah, I really enjoy this song. Um, and also, I'm also biased because Final Fantasy IX is my favorite, but that's a whole other um, conversation. But um, yeah, it's no, really I just good. Think this, yeah, this is a really great song. It's really hype, and it shares a theme. But I think both of my songs for today share a theme of like being very whimsical, grand adventures. I, I love Final Fantasy IX. I played it. I want to say three times in the 2000s. I just. Uh, I, um, I have a lot of very, very fond memories of it, but I haven't played it in a long time because there are too many video games. Another <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> problem to have. True. Yeah, I just can't replay things all the time like I used to. Um, but uh, this song, 
does have the feeling of setting off into an adventure. I mentioned I, I mentioned this in a lot of episodes of Rhythm Encounter, so I apologize, listeners, if you've heard me say this 20 times before. But a good airship theme or travel theme has a feeling of forward momentum, of a feeling that you are getting somewhere. And uh, this has that, that cool counter melody that I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a, a piano or a harp or whatever, or, um, or a xylophone, <laughs> but, but it has that like you know um driving you in the background kind of like the i don't know like the missy elliott music make you lose control or something and it has the it has that uh the the percussion has this beat that's not like a military march or something but feels like the beating of a propeller or something because you're uh, yeah because it's just great because it's um it's uh, it's up tempo and it's keeping you moving but it's not dominating the track. Uh, the very buzzy brass uh, synth brass is again just screams PlayStation One RPG to me. Yeah, <laughs> and then that that really uh, puts me in a, a certain time and place of being in uh, of, of being in school and um, and playing the, and like sneaking out of bed and playing this with the sound down, <laughs> but not but not all the way down because I still because <laughs> I still want to I still want to hear this song without waking up my parents. Um, yeah, this. Uh, thank you for capturing Final Fantasy airships with this FF9 song, Mario. Yeah, it's an excellent choice. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I feel like with a lot of how um, Final Fantasy IX, a lot of its goal was like throwing back to older Final Fantasies and everything. So I feel like this airship theme does a really good job of doing that. It does. I mean, I've seen it bandied about and discussed it myself how Uematsu kind of played it a bit safe with the soundtrack. Um, because of trying, I think, to hearken it back. But I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as people like to say. But um, it, you definitely hear that, especially uh, in this one, that it, it feels very much like the Final Fantasy One kind of airship theme in its way, especially when you get to that kind of hopeful soaring kind of part of it. I don't think anyone says Final Fantasy IX's soundtrack is bad. I'm not, I'm not sure what forums well, no. you've been reading, dude. I'm not saying that they, they say it's bad. They just said he played it safe, so it wasn't as adventurous as say like seven sure, or it, eight it, it, it's less experimental than FF8's yeah music. That, that, that's that's fair yeah yeah it was because yeah they were going back to that to its roots the whole game as a whole right um but what i was gonna say like did i think like final fantasy one i think was the first thing to do kind of the airship thing and I, I found myself struggling to think of any other game at first that's outside of square that had like a travel vehicle in it although I'm, some exist obviously but it was kind of their thing for the longest time, right? I'm not sure there are video game airships that are a separate mode of travel yeah. before 1987. That that's being ultra specific. That, that is but true. The, yes. uh, um, but 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 there are airships in things like fantasy novels and uh, like 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 you know Jules Verne novels. Yeah, I was um, so, oh, so, sorry, so, I was referring so, to they, games. They, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't invent the airship. No, but but um, but airships with a separate theme. And like, and the moment of finding your airship being powerful and impactful is definitely a Final Fantasy thing. Yeah, it became um, a staple. I, and uh, I mean, I think that you know, Final Fantasy tra- traditionalists are probably a little upset whenever there's Final Fantasy games without airships. Hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe side highing FF13 a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> now, I won't lie, I do have a bit of a love hate relationship with the theme, though, because. I do love Over That Hill so much. So oh, it's like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the, so it's a the, shame to lose it, but the walk, the walk, the overland over yeah. walking theme. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's you got to balance the walking around places sometimes just to hear that theme. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And I'm I'm pretty sure Over Those Hills has been in a previous episode of Rhythm Encounter. Otherwise, I absolutely would have let it on this episode. 
But um, speaking of a song that has been on Rhythm on uh, Rhythm Encounter before, but definitely not in this arrangement. Um, Greg, uh, this is a jazz arrangement of one of the iconic songs from Chrono Trigger. And uh, I mean, look, there's a vibraphone sol- solo in this song. So obviously I loved it. <laughs> I find... Like there's been very uh, there's been various um, jazz arrangements of Chrono Trigger music. It lends itself very well. Um, I mean that composing dream team. They just tapped into something, and it's got its own vibe, separate from a lot of what other Square Enix things were going on at the time. And yeah, this one, like I'm not a big fan of the Epic Wings of Time. I won't lie. Like the original, flying around in the epoch. I just was never a big fan of that song. But this version of it brings it to life in such an exciting, fun, playful way and gives it that real slick sense of style. Um, and I think I joked in our forums that also suddenly makes it into kind of the blackjack. Um, but it's, I just love what this, the, the OC jazz collective has brought to this whole album, but the song specifically, it's made me really enjoy the song and find some fun nuances with it. It's the bells. I love the bells. It's an amazing version of the song, I think. I really liked it. Yeah, same. Because, like, the original, to me, feels just like a weird sort of... Like, it's fun. It's it, it, it tries to capture the excitement, but it feels too subdued in a weird way. Like, it doesn't have, I guess, like, that, Mike, you kind of gave words to it, the, the momentous occasion of finding your airship, right? Um, it doesn't feel like it's as there in the Epoch theme. Uh, whereas it's more of a cruise, I guess. Like, you're cruising around, and this just cranks that we're cruising around at night in our jazzy mobile up to 11 yeah i mean the original theme has that uh has those iconic strings and weird chrono trigger saxophone um but but this has uh either a trumpet or a flugelhorn solo and a lot Mm -hmm. of vibraphone and some very bright fun percussion it's 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 a very playful interpretation of a song that's sort of like like it's upbeat and pleasant but this just makes it not it, it not dirty but just 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 a lot more mischievous it it suits it better than i think most like orchestral mixes i've heard of the version of the song i find jazz lends better to the original um spirit of the piece it yeah it, i don't think it, it perverts the spirit of the piece no but it's um but it, it is a different tone and different feeling than yeah. an orchestral arrangement that was maybe a little bit more straight would have done mm-hmm and, we, and I should mention, um, the, I, I don't know if I was clear about it before. Uh, this is a track from Chronology, a jazz tribute to Chrono Trigger, which was a, uh, a free online album hosted by OCRemix.org. OCRemix has been you know, a source for video game arrangements, uh, in, independent, unlicensed ones, uh, for many, many years. And um, you can get this album as a free download on OCRemix.org, or, uh, and you can also, of course, support them at your own, uh, at your own discretion. Um, and, and I think and there might have been a special edition CD or, or vinyl version yeah, of this album this one got done. That, that, that you would have to pay for. But it is available as a free download, which is a pretty good deal for a bunch yeah. of cool Chrono Trigger jazz arrangements. And if you want more, like Sean Shafiansky did a really good one. Um, and there's some actually like official jazz arrangements back when as well. Um, I remember Jono referencing it. The, it's the beginning of a new and excitingly different story, like that whole one. Um, it's called end of time that album it's got eggs on the cover it's weird <laughs> and it's i guess the time eggs maybe um but yeah the song's very playful and it's great and i just love what the uh, the collective brought to it uh and made me fall in love with it because as uh, again quoting jono in the past um the mark of a good arrangement is like how 
how much they do bring it and make it their own, and they definitely do with this song. Love the ener- the like enthusiastic feel about it. Mm. It is high energy. They are, n- no one is slacking off in this arrangement. Yeah, and, and it's definitely. I mean, is, is is this all synthetic, or is it because it, it feels like live performances to me? I think it is. Yeah, because it's a whole collection of folks. Um, but I. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to, to say. I, I haven't looked at the history of this particular particular like collective group of arrangers who come together to form the OC Jazz Collective. They could all just be very talented digital players. Uh, but I get it sounds real, but it's so good sometimes you can hardly tell. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like jazz musicians playing off each other, which is, which, yeah. which is I mean, m- maybe I'm just a, a complete jazz uh, moron, but it—I it, uh, think that would be hard to pull off in a purely <laughs> digital album. It's true. But this With is Hillary a, Woman but, Eater. Yeah, but, but this is a—I uh, mean, this is a really good one. And they even um, there's a Chrono Cross version of the uh, of of this by the same group called Chronopolis that came out a few years later. Oh yeah. Uh, that you should also be able to find on OCR. So yeah, if uh, if Chrono music and jazz music, uh, if you're if you're at the center of that Venn diagram of fandom. That was probably an absolute banger track, and it's a, it, it, it definitely was um, was a fun listen. Well, thanks for letting me showcase it. But are we ready for some more fun listens? Yeah, some good stuff coming. Okay, so now both of those were ships sailing through the sky. I think we should do one about a ship sailing across the sea. Uh, so, uh, Mario, tell us a little bit about the first song of block number three. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're going to go take a trip down the ocean. Um, and well, I think the theme's actually called Ocean, I think. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, from Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, the great sea overworld theme when you're sailing. And listeners, if you think Zelda's not an RPG, you take it up with Mike Salbato. That's Mike <laughs> at RPGfan.com. Mike not the Salbato. Call out. <laughs> oh, I really wish we could segue to to buses now, but no, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, now that I've said that, maybe I'll be departing for death soon. Um, uh, Audra, tell us a little bit about a ship that I think is sailing across sand or city ruins. Cool. It's sand and city ruins. Ooh, and a ton of ash, and it is de- the ash crawler chrysanthemum, and its theme is departing for death. From God Eater 3. All right, so uh, listeners, please enjoy Ocean from The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker and Departing for Death from God Eater 3.
So thank you, Mario, for bringing uh, some Wind Waker into our lives with that block. Uh, I, I, this is one of my favorite Zelda soundtracks. I, I think that uh, I, I, uh, I, I really like um, a lot of what Wind Waker brings to the table is for being... I don't know, like so classic Zelda in some ways and so di such different Zelda in other ways. But let's talk a little bit about Ocean. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I think this song perfectly captures like, okay, just like, so like whenever in real life, I would go on like a vacation as a kid with my family or whatever and would like go to like a river or like a lake or something aquatic and would end up like on a boat or jet skis or something. Like this is a song that plays in my head. Like this just sounds like going on an overseas adventure and yeah it's really it's really got that how do i even like i guess epic and not even epic though but um yeah it's just got that whimsical nature to it and the way it like i feel like it's a lot of people give wind waker shit for like the sailing being kind of repetitive or whatever um which like i think from a gameplay perspective there's definitely that argument to be made but I don't know. I feel like maybe just get caught up in the song, but this song really makes it for me. <laughs> and That's keeps what's it great about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Micro, well, not Microsoft, but like Rare went and just made a whole game based off of that with Sea of Thieves. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that. <laughs> it's just so, yeah, it's so good. And yeah, this song is um, the way it like changes when like an enemy's nearby too. Like, I don't know. It's just, I love when gaming soundtracks do interactive stuff like that. And. Mm. Yeah, this just perfectly captures that Zelda sense of exploration, and it's really interesting how the ocean does capture that, like, classic Zelda sense of exploration while also being, you know, like an ocean, like a new direction for the series. So, yeah, I just think it's a really great song and blends those different elements really well. Now, I'm, I'm going to go into one of my... Uh completely unhinged rants about video game uh, music and context again but uh, <laughs> we I mean listeners you probably know this already but uh, in, in case we didn't make it clear the map in uh, Wind Waker is 95% ocean it is an empty sea with enemies and rocks and, and islands around and so you spend a huge amount of time in this game sailing on your ship the uh is, is it the oh shoot is it the red lion king, uh, king of red lions king of red lions that's it yeah the, the you, on your on your ship which is like a which is i don't know it's a it's a, it's a little skiff oh, yeah. that you know skiff. that talks to you kind of like the i don't know kind of like jason and the argonauts ship um <laughs> but the, uh but there was backlash in 2003 um, from or maybe 2002, I forget exactly when Wind Waker came out. Because uh, this was this was not um, the Zelda they were expecting. I mean, a, uh, they were used to a green overworld and multiple dungeons and a uh, and, and a formula more similar to Ocarina of Times. And even though Wind Waker does have a lot of Ocarina of Time DNA in there, uh, there is ship navigation. You have to deal with the winds and um, there and. Uh, and and you know like then there's no high roof high rule field and it came right after that tech demo too that was like yes a, a tech a tech yeah, demo the Twilight that um Twilight-ish one yeah that that uh, like was giving that so i think fans may be expecting something that would look more like what Twilight Princess did but then they got this which is a game that's all ocean and with cell shaded visuals oh i that, remember um, people saying calling it Zelda like if if hashtags yeah. were a thing at the time it would have been like not my Zelda or something like stupid. <laughs> yeah, the reaction was pretty negative, 
from the outset, even though reviews were extremely high, because once you play this game, you realize, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's uh, and I think that fans mostly have come around on the on this game because it, it, mm-hmm. Wind Waker is spectacular, both uh, visually, musically, and in gameplay. That like uh, I think most people have gotten over themselves with time because uh, the Wind Waker, e- even though it. Uh, you know, it, it's not my favorite Zelda game, but it does a few things so spectacularly well that parts of it, like sailing on the ocean with this theme playing, are just so indelible. It is, uh, like, this song has that feeling of setting out on an adventure. It's a, uh, it, it's mostly a, a, a string orchestra with some, with with some brass voices carrying it in the middle. That 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 really does feel like, I, I, I it's weird for a song to sound nautical. But this song sounds like there should be uh, sound effects of waves crashing against your boat yeah. while you play it. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of like just setting sail right the first time I heard it without much context. So I think it's really successful in that regard. I was going to say, yeah, no, it's great for the context it's in and yeah, that sense of grand adventure. Well, it's those, uh, the strings that you mentioned, like those really nice, warm, rich, deeper strings, like it really, you see the waves the way they that the instrumentation rolls mm-hmm. and um and yeah just like the wind the thrill the seagulls flying around you like this is one of those few tracks if someone was like i'm gonna throw on a 10-hour loop of the great sea i'll be like yeah cool go yeah. for it <laughs> I I know, ten, ten, 10 hours is a lot of hours i would I maybe throw a little bit of uh dragon roost island in there just to <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> also because that song is money but i yeah i love Wind Waker. So, like, when when this topic came up, and we're like, "Hey, we're doing a pick songs," uh, I apparently could have been fast enough because I wasn't fast enough, uh, <laughs> but I was right right there to smash the button for this one, and you did, and I was like, "Great, cool, man." I I'm so yeah, I love this song. When I think of travel and transport, um, it's like yeah, airships, and then this from uh, Legend of Zelda, like. Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild fight for first position on me, and and this song is one of the big reasons why I love this game so much. It captures yeah. that adventure beautifully. It's not too piratey, but it's like sailoring and piratey enough. Oh, it's just, it's great. It's a great track. You mentioned how the low strings feel like the ocean. It, 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 it's that counter melody that I, I guess is probably like like mm. just uh, like viola and cello probably does feel like if you're looking out on the ocean you sort of see it rise and fall and pulse a little bit yeah like the, the, the low strings like you 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 feel the ocean in those strings even though it is completely insane to attribute like an or like an orchestral voice to, <laughs> to a giant body of water right but uh i, I, I don't know it. why this song feels nautical but it absolutely does mm-hmm. it's just the right combo of things um, random aside about uh, the Wind Waker and on Windows 95, 97 was it ME? I think it was ME at the time they went to promote the game they made like a like a living screensaver of like Outset and I had that thing forever but like you had oh, to install wow. it as its own like separate like it was an EXE program that ran as a screensaver and then when I eventually upgraded versions and that thing got broken and I couldn't use it anymore I was the saddest I just oh. wanted that thing forever <laughs> It would go through storms, and then it would be nice, and it was just outset, just chilling. It was great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think you downloaded it from the official Wind Waker site back in the day. It was, it was amazing. All right, so if, if if this song like inescapably feels like the ocean, uh, Audra, does Departing for Death sound like post-apocalyptic burning ash and sands? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
maybe just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of adventure. Yes, it's a different kind of adventure. They tried to... It basically... Um, when you're on board the Ash Crawler, it's pretty much your mission hub, your base where you decide where you're going for your next adventure, pretty much, but more like missions of survival and God Eater 3. I, I've only played... Um... A, a bit of God Eater Burst, which is the the expanded version of God Eater One, uh, and, and please correct me if I'm getting any of these details wrong. Uh, th- these are basically Monster Hunter style, um, like giant boss fight games, uh, yes. where where you're mostly just uh, like uh, fighting monsters to fight bigger monsters and improve your equipment and move a story along. But it, but it has a mission structure and not necessarily a travel from like dungeon town dungeon town structure. Uh, but so this is your like your mission prep music, and uh, and and also it's it's set in a post-apocalypse full of full of city ruins, and the monsters themselves look kind of twisted. They're, these aren't your like regular dragons with only two wings. The the god god eater monsters can get pretty weird. Yeah, they're like um twisted deities, I think. Yeah, I feel that mission control kind of vibe in this. Yeah, and I, but and you're sort of like you're traveling the post-apocalyptic landscape on an ash crawler which is like a huge barge that goes across sand like half ship half tank uh to exterminate um uh the monsters to you know to in the interest of uh of, of protecting yourselves and citizens so mm-hmm. this song is like there's a dark undertone here there's like a, a slightly militaristic undertone like we're about to deploy on a mission we're about to take on a giant monster uh it, it has a uh, again, it's a battle prep song, and also a song with foreboding in it, but also gives the feeling of you're traveling across a landscape that is that is not a beautiful crystal blue ocean or a a, a windswept open plain, but a bleak post-apocalypse full of ruined buildings. There's a very serious and kind of determined feel to it. Mm-hmm. Have you played all three or however many there yes. are? I've, I've completely forgot the series existed until you brought up the music. I was like, oh yeah, this. Actually, I've played, I haven't played the um, God Eater 2 all of it yet, but I've played God Eater Burst and God Eater 3. Yeah, I, play, I, I played a moderate amount yes. of God Eater Burst on the PSP uh, many, many years ago. I'm actually surprised. Um, I thought I'd pick a Goshina track for the first God Eater song I'd put on Rhythm Encounter, but... Um, Natsume Kamioka, she did such a great job with this track that I was like, yes, when I saw the transport. And so you control it. Like you sail around, like navigate across like the an open world map kind of thing in it? No, you basically just pick your mission locations. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can gear up and it's just it's the thing you're on while you're going to each different location. Yeah, you're, you're not traveling from site to site necessarily. It's, it's a, uh, it, um, there are locations that you'll get very, very familiar with, um, especially as you are uh, hunting maybe the same monster <laughs> seven or eight times in the same yeah. place. But uh, so, so there is a sense of place in these mission-based games like God Eater or Monster Hunter. But, uh, but, but there, there's not exactly travel but there is preparation, and there is, and and uh, the, and the ship creates a, a sense of place on its own. Like it's your, yes. um, so there is definitely a feeling of of preparing for war and a feeling of reaching a destination. But it's, but uh, it's, you know, I, I would say this song has a little bit of a different tone than Ocean from Wind Waker. <laughs> yes, it has a very, it has its own unique tone. I think. Hmm. Well, it's very. Um... 
like you feel like everything's on the line every single time. If this is what you're hearing, like this could mm-hmm. be your last run, kind of like vibe. Which fits for the kind of the storyline that they were going for. It's very bleak. And when you brought up Mike, uh, Monster Hunter, uh, if you had told me this was a Monster Hunter track, I would have been like, yeah, I hear it. I, I look. Well, I'm being unfair. Ori's I, invari- I invariably <laughs> compare every single uh, mission-based monster takedown game to Monster Hunter. Like, I, I, it is it is impossible for me not to. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's a pretty good call. But yeah. um, but I mean, God Eater kind of was Bandai Namco's answer to Monster Hunter for quite a while. Uh, but it sounds look- like it too. Yeah, the first couple were um, were PSP games directly competing with Monster Hunter that was sort of dominating on the PSP at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but before Monster Hunter World uh, like blew up everything, the, the number one selling Monster Hunter game was still the third PSP one that never released worldwide. That is interesting. It just sold like over something, just a, a terrifying amount of uh, copies in, in only Japan. Everybody in Japan had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in 08, in like 08 and, and in 2008 and 2010, like Monster Hunter games uh, were the were the top selling games in Japan that year, in those two years. But uh, the entire rest of the top 10 list was Wii and DS. It's, it's because like, like, like the, the PSP lost to the DS badly in sales, but they had Monster Hunter, <laughs> which, which, which let it limp along in the Japanese market for longer than it should have probably. Hmm. But then Monster Hunter moved on to the Wii and 3DS in the following generation because Capcom saw where the where people were spending their money on handhelds. And I remember trying one of the earlier ones, one of the generations ones on the DS, and it was obtuse to me. So World was my version of of that. But anyways, God Eater. And it's interesting with God Eater 3, they actually did port it to the Switch eventually. Oh. Um, did they make any God Eater games after 3? Because I, I remember 3 coming Sadly, out. Sadly, no. It... I do actually like it, but... Um... I think they did Scarlet Nexus, a lot of them. A lot of the people that worked on it went to Scarlet Nexus. All right. Yeah, because I, I remember God Eater 3 being around, but then I I was worried there had been seven of them, and I just completely missed them. But uh, not the, the only God Eater game I played was the first one. I thought it was a pretty cool, very post-apocalypse, extremely anime, yes. uh, transforming <laughs> weapons version of Monster Hunter. Uh, but uh, but sadly, I mean, and, and like it has... A lot of Goshina. Goshina is probably the composer you associate with those games the most. They're on so many Nam- uh, Namco songs. Um, but this is a really cool one. Thanks for bringing it to us, Audra. Oh, you're welcome. And now, uh, Greg, I'm sorry to tell you that I, when, when I was building the list order here, I, I thought that um, the first three pairs worked together naturally, but I did not know how to fit these last two together. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, um, so, but, but these are still very fun listens but i mean one's a bus and one's a dragon so like <laughs> how do you fit, how do you fit those together i i, I don't know if you, if you have an ideas i'm all yours. the same console they're on it's about all i got that's the thing sure that okay them. they we both are playing g- rpgs we are uh hitting the 1993 super nintendo dragon bus um <laughs> you never see your dad in either of them Sure, oh. I, I, I guess. Okay, so this is the uh, this is the absentee father block of uh, I'm sorry, rhythm encounter episode 102. Oh my god, I'm I'm, I'm so used to saying a different word in front of encounter. It's true. That's that's my bad. But anyway, um, so for this final block of rhythm encounter episode 102, I brought uh, get on the bus from Earthbound. And Earthbound's soundtrack was by Keiichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka. And for the life of me, I could not figure out which one of them or both did this song. 
But uh, Greg, you brought a song from a different Super Nintendo game. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah. uh, Again, I was struggling to kind of find something that meant a lot to me. And and I eventually uh, landed on um, Secret of Mana. And uh, when you're flying around on Flammy, Flammy, however you want to pronounce it, uh, Flight into the Unknown, it was called. Uh, But I wanted to do yet another arrangement uh, I didn't grab from the original source material. So I've got a version by uh, Dorito uh, with a little guest star action from uh, Sanyu Shreds uh, from the Bits and Bops Volume 1 album. Or it's also from, oh shoot, uh, there's an OC Remix arrangement he also contributed the song to. So you can kind of find it in a couple different places. But uh, yeah, enjoy some uh, 80s synth vibes. Excellent. So, uh, uh, listeners, please enjoy Get on the Bus from Earth Pound and the Bits and Bops Volume 1 arrangement of Flight into the Unknown from Secret of Mana.
so that was Get on the Bus, a uh, song that's barely 90 seconds on the Earthbound soundtrack. But it is, it is genuinely one of the Earthbound songs that um, sticks with me the most uh, decades after first playing it. Because I, I, I just, I don't know, I just remember uh, being in in Tucson, the, the second town in Earthbound, and trying to take the bus to Threed, and, uh, but the ghosts in the tunnel would block you every time. But I, I just tried to do it over and over because I couldn't figure out how to give the money to the corrupt manager at the Runaway Fives Club, or it, it's that it, that's a whole other story. But I I attempted the bus travel in this game over and over, and really, really just liked this jam that plays when you ride the bus in Earthbound. Uh, I'm impressed the, you stuck the, to it. Yeah, it um it, it sounds almost like surfer rock because it's yeah. like it, like it's, it's just the uh the bass go like ding 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 and it's it, like, it sounds like it could be like freaking wipeout or green onions or something like <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and uh it it's I don't know it 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 it's 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 a song that just gets me excited about riding a bus somehow and um when uh and it was i thought of this song even before the uh the trails of cold steel song when i when i was doing um <laughs> travel tracks for uh uh for rhythm encounter um yeah this is just an earworm that has not left me in uh almost 30 years there's a few of those in earthbound for sure like the the ho- the like the hotel theme there's another one, or the gift oh shop yeah, the, the the electric piano in the hotel. and 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 like the theme for the uh, the from one app oh, is, yeah. re- is is really iconic. Uh, yeah. But uh, just but got for, those things that stick with you. Yeah, this is just a, an almost forgettable song that I don't think you even have to listen to. But I just rode that bus over and over <laughs> to listen to this to this banger. Well, I find the song such a vibe, like. Especially as soon as like once that organ kicks in, you can just you see the bus, you see how hot it is driving through the desert, you see the sweat, you know, of like people just in this probably non-air conditioned bus. But like, it's weirdly again, it's another track that sounds weirdly forlorn. I find because like, like it's like people don't really know where they're going. I mean, obviously the kids do, but I just feel like they just it's these kids on this bus with a bunch of adults who are just riding the bus, don't know where their life's taking them, kind of vibe. Yeah, the feeling of being on a bus with a bunch of strangers is weirdly specific and lonely, and, yeah. and, and different and different from from like traveling on a ship where you feel like you're going on an adventure. When, when mm-hmm. a bunch of strangers are on a bus together, they're not going on the same adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 you're you're not riding a horse or a dragon or a nekoru. You're riding government-funded transit. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're riding the you're riding this rattle trap that probably uh, won't pass its next inspect inspection. <laughs> Isn't that its own adventure? Well, I mean, this is not the Runaway Five bus theme. That's oh, a different that's one. right. Yeah, no, Sorry, this thank is you the, correcting me. Th- this is the regular ass city bus. That, <laughs> it's not uh, even the cool bus. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. This is the this is the uncool bus that that is uh, that like isn't in the desert or or in the in three. It's the one that it, it, it's the one that. No, it's the one that's stuck in Tucson. I think right. you can take a bus later in the game when the uh, when the desert road is clear and the ghosts are out of the tunnel. Yeah, that's what can, I was thinking you, of. You can take city buses between uh, Tucson, Three, and Foreside and take this one, but uh, but the Runway Five bus is the one that you have to take for as part of the story. This is just right, the right, regular right. ass city bus that is full <laughs> of even better. Yeah, that, that is full of people that just are that are just trying to save money on a car. Yeah, for some reason I forgot that they the Runaway Five had their own bus. Like I thought you were all on, like you just took the city bus with them. I forgot about that that they had their own. But yeah, it's it's great. It's a, it's for it. It makes 
it's punchy and makes an impact for its you know brief stint. I really do think it sounds like Surfer Rock. It sounds yeah, like a it does. Like, like, like a goofy beach movie from the 1960s or something that Elvis made 14 of. It just needs more um, whammy bar. I was looking at um, the YouTube comments for this video, and a couple of them were pointing out that it sounds like, um, oh my god, from Deltarune um, versus Susie, like the opening part of that song. And I was like, hold up. Oh, maybe. I mean, I mean, I mean, Toby Fox is an extremely confirmed yeah. Earthbound fan. So yeah, no, I think it'd be a really interesting um, sort of homage to this. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know the Deltarune soundtrack that well. I, I did listen to some of it. Um, I, I, I haven't played Del, I haven't played Deltarune. I've played, I've played uh, 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 Undertale, but not Deltarune. Um, hmm. Well, if it's like this, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have a, a listening party later. Thank you, Mario. <laughs> It's definitely a lot more. It's like a battle theme version of it. It's like a lot more metal. <laughs> um, a more like a metal, metal version of metal this track is versions. something I absolutely must listen to. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a good listen. Now, Mario, if you could hear this track in that uh, th- that Deltarune song, I had an, almost the opposite problem. Um, well, Greg, when, when I listened to this for the first time, I actually had a little bit of trouble finding the flammy theme in this song. Oh, um, because <laughs> oh my it's, choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is a complicated runs cascading up and down melody transferring uh, into other melodies, uh, uh song. It, it's, it's extremely, it's extremely, um, like, uh, I, I guess you, I guess you would call it techno music or, uh, or electronic music, but, um, yeah, but it, it, it's, it is, uh, I had to double check flight into the unknown to remember like what, what that one sounded like well yeah because like they do a good job of like they kind of come in media res they don't hit the song right at the top right away like you know what i mean like it because like like the flammy theme where it starts it's like it does like that cool climb thing whereas like he kind of they introduce the song uh like near the tail end like just part of like the melody before they actually break into the start of the flammy theme so yeah i get what you're saying yeah, um, I mean, this song has a, an intro that is completely absent in the original version. Absolutely, and, yeah. um, um, and and also the original version has this uh, has has this very has sort of a very bright tone. While this one is a more of a of a chill tone, that uh, and it emphasizes it emphasizes the bass a lot more. So it, it just like I, I could hear the connection after listening to the songs back to back. But because I listened to the remixed version first before double checking what Flight into the Unknown was, <laughs> I was a little bit lost. I was like, I've played Secret of Mana, but I, I can't place this at all. What the hell is this song? And then <laughs> I figured it out. But uh, but but it, I mean that that's we, we talked about this a little bit um, with the previous remix track. Uh, one thing that remixes can that's really interesting about a good remix is that if it preserves the nature of the song but completely changes its tone or its meeting. Then, then you're that's just a, an interesting journey for your brain to go on as you mm-hmm. as you pro, as you process it. And this one, I I think it, it's uh, I mean I mean I would not say pervert or uh, or invert the tone, but it is a it is that melody. Um, but I think it completely changes its tone and its nature in a way that's just that's very interesting to just to just break down and figure out. It takes it in a very like back to like eighties movies that I watched as a kid kind of thing. Like it's not the luck dragon being ridden. It's flammy, you know? Um, and then throw in like this, yeah. Eighties little adventure synth wave song. Um, and listeners, by the way, I remember the, the name of the OC remix album. You can find this on is uh, resonance of the pure land. 
and this song okay. is called Beyond the Big Infinity on that one. Um, so for those listening and wanting to watch that, but uh, yeah, it's it's does its own thing for sure, and um, does change the tone a lot, but still kind of preserves that fun sense of soaring adventure, especially when you get into those like the the solo synthy guitar and then the actual guitar. Uh, it's it definitely hits heavier than the Flammy's theme does. Uh, and we don't have, you know, a little drum summoning in this one. Now it's a drum kit, <laughs> drum machine. Oh, yeah. Instead of the wind drum, it's, yeah. the, uh, it, it's, it's the wind drum machine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I think I was using uh, uh, Trials of Men and Nomenclature, my God. It's, yeah, similar th- sounds. But I, I just loved how, yeah, like he, uh, they, they try to establish, like, this is going to be 80 synth wave at the top. Just be like, just so you know, this is what you're coming for. And then before it busts out the track, um, I don't know. What is, yeah. What are the other, you, uh, Audra, Mario, what do you two think? I mean, I'm, I know Audra, you haven't played a lot of SNES classics sometimes, as you admitted. I'm not sure if this one was one. I haven't played the secret of mana, but I really enjoyed this version of the song. Oh, it's good. I mean, yeah. I thought it was a really catchy, just nice song. Yeah, no, this was dope. Um, I also haven't played secret of mana. Um, so I also haven't played the original, like, or I heard like the original version of the song, but um, I just thought this was really great, though. So yeah, still. I've been a big um, synth wave, retro wave, whatever kind of kick lately. Where like it, this kind of music really helps me get through my workday a lot. It just really uh, pushes me along. So when I was kind of looking around at different arrangements of the classic version of the song, because the arrangements they did on um, the ill-fated uh, remaster was all right it was really kind of nice but it just was kind of more of the same yeah audra mario uh don't play the remaster <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay go 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 get I've the mon- go get the mana collection yep. and then and then play the emulated version that way that, that's the way to do it yeah exactly but the soundtrack is pretty good on the um the new one uh on sorry on the that terrible port but I, uh, yeah, I just wanted something a bit different. And when I found a synth version of it, I was just like, yes. And this whole album's great, too, by the way, if anyone wants to go listen to the rest of the Bits and Bops, Volume 1 and Volume 2, if you like this stuff. Like, he, he was, I think this is one of the earlier songs he started experimenting with Synthwave with um, as an artist. So it's it's fun. I don't listen to a lot of Synthwave. It's almost like Prague, where they want to be, to, like, to demonstrate complexity uh, and, and virtuosity. But also they, but also they want to be chill. Like they, they don't want to, to raise your heart rate too much with it, with with, uh, with this kind of song. It's, it's, it's like it's like this, it's like th- this song is doing things, and it's um and and it's chill without being sleepy. It's uh like 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 I I, w- I would listen to this like and again I was sort of processing this song. I, I was listening to how the different puzzle pieces fit together, and I found it super interesting and fun to listen to. But it uh. But, but but you know but you know it 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 didn't um it, it doesn't have the dread of Audra's song from God Eater Three <laughs> and it, it does it does not have the, the 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 feeling of a of a journey like uh like Ocean in Wind Waker and um I I, I dare say it is uh it is not it, it, it doesn't have the feeling of like of the outdoors that uh, Land of Blue Skies from Trails of Cold Steel does this is it's its own very unusual thing where uh you're your white baby dragon that flies you around in secret of mana is now trapped in a computer <laughs> and wearing ray bands. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's, it's fun. Like it's, I get what you mean about like, it's chill and not. Cause like, this is a song that like, I have to move, I have to dance to it, but like 
you can just kind of bop, and that's fine, or you can go hard to the song. All right, well, uh, I, 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 th- I mean, we, we've been at this for a while, so I hope you don't mind me uh, uh, cutting us off, but um, thank you so much, Audra, Mario, and Greg, for uh, sharing these um, two tracks each of for eight tracks total on this episode of Rhythm Encounter. Um, Thanks for yours and for hosting. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I, uh, this episode had been up on the ideas board for years and years. Um, well before the, uh, um, uh, uh, rhythm encounter went on its break, the person that created the, the, the card on the ideas board is no longer with the website <laughs> to give you an idea, idea of how long ago oh, it was, wow. yeah. but it was, uh, but it was, um, it was a lot of fun to record. And now I have some Delta rune music to look up. So now uh, it's, it's definitely time for housekeeping, but uh, 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 Audra, I think you're specific. Thanks in this episode, because this is the first time we've had any tracks from edge of eternity or God eater three on rhythm encounter. Woo-hoo. So, so thank you for nice. adding to adding to our diversity numbers. Oh, you're welcome. I'm not sure we're going to have as many new debuts in the next couple episodes of uh, rhythm encounter though, because there's a, there's some favorites that are going to be uh, <laughs> making some reappearances. Episode 103 in two weeks is going to be the best of the Xeno series. So expect plenty of Xeno gears, Xeno blade, perhaps some sagas Xeno as well. And uh, a lot of Tyler, I, probably <laughs> I, if, if Tyler's not on that episode, I will, I will Venmo you $200. <laughs> <laughs> Cue Greg and possibly also a, a conspirator like texting Tyler, giving him something very to make him very busy in two weeks. <laughs> uh, but, but but we also know what we're doing in the, the two weeks after that. Episode 104 of Rhythm Encounter is going to be Hitoshi Sakimoto uh, spotlight episode. So there's going to be probably some Final Fantasy tactics, some Final Fantasy 12, some vagrant story, perhaps something with Ogre in the title. Uh, so, so anyway, that is what the next month of rhythm encounter looks like. Um, if you want to give your own feedback to rhythm encounter, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. That goes straight to the keyboard of Mike Salvato. You can also visit RPG fans, uh, uh, website, rpgfan.com and rpgfan.com on Instagram and Twitter, RPG fan on Facebook, uh, t- uh, YouTube and Twitch, something going on on all of those places every day. Uh, RPG fan is also the home of two other fine podcasts. One of which retro encounter I host every week. It usually posts on Thursdays unless I'm procrastinating particularly poorly that week. And the other one, which, uh, alternates Mondays with rhythm encounter is random encounter, mostly about current events. And for a while was mostly hosted by you, Greg. That's true. I was there. And then now Jono does it. Correct, and Jono does an absolutely uh, uh, brilliant job hosting oh, yeah. Random Encounter and uh, editing episodes of all of RPG Pants podcasts. We love Jono. Thank you, Jono. But, uh, but uh, we're not here to talk about Jono. Uh, let's talk about ourselves some more. Um, how can get out of here, Jono? Uh, listeners. Uh, <laughs> If you want to reach us individually as uh, as individuals and not as a as a solo podcast, how can you find us? Uh, let's start with you, Audra. Audra B at rpgfan.com for email. Now you, Mario. Exp Tooney on Twitter. Now Greg. Uh, I'm at G Delmage or at Greg Delmage, pretty much anywhere. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter most easily at the Real Monsoon as most of the time, and at Evoker for Dogs at other times. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. But I can't do the usual sign-off I do for Retro Encounter on this, because this is Rhythm Encounter. This is its own different show. We sign off on a different way here. Uh, And I'm just going over the list that we've done here in order. So we have some cat kangaroos and horses and airships and, and time machines and sailing ships and ash sand ships and buses and dragons.
you know, I think we need to go for our final track to the one place uncorrupted by capitalism. Space! (laughs) (laughs) We need a spaceship song, and Audra, you are here to bring it to us. What is going to be tonight's bonus track? Yes, tonight's bonus track is The The Fleets Arrive from Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3, a game I played very recently for Retro Encounter and liked so much that I'm considering replaying it in 2023. That is not a joke. That is a real fact. But it is also real a real fact that this episode is over. Uh, thanks for listening and enjoy The Fleets Arrive. You know, most of those stories are probably apocryphal. People really thought that Final Fantasy was uh, was called Final Fantasy because it was like their last yeah. chance or some <laughs> for decades. <laughs> they just want two cool F words. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just just because it, like AOL user groups started that rumor in the late '90s and people believed it for decades. Yeah, it was until I did some research that I was like, oh, that's not what it is. But yeah, you just hear it through word of mouth at school when you're sharing prima player guides. As a kid, it's just like, oh, that that makes sense. Cool. (laughs) Sounds epic. Why not? They just liked the way FF sounds in Japanese. So they they picked a bunch of English words. It was almost fighting fantasy. That's what it was, was, right? Yeah. That was was already a (laughs) trademark somewhere.